This episode of Fermented Adventure the Podcast is sponsored by Brewskits, handcrafted dog treats made from spent beer grains, oats, barley, and rye. No chemical preservatives, a great source of fiber, and packed with protein. Visit brewskits.com to see the full selection of treats for your dog and your cat. Receive 15% off your first order by typing in two important words, Fermented Adventure, at checkout. Cheers! Ladies and gentlemen, craft spirit enthusiasts, and those interested in the intoxicating world of craft distilleries, cideries, meaderies, wineries, and the occasional foray into breweries. It's Rich Shane, and welcome to Fermented Adventure, the podcast, where we bring you the fascinating people that are making the mash, fermenting, distilling, bottling, pouring, and delivering to you some of the finest libations in the world. Before we get started, here are a few housekeeping items. Thank you for bringing the podcast into wherever you are and whatever you're doing. We truly are grateful that you've chosen to listen and make us part of your day. It would mean the world to us if you left a five-star review. This helps us climb in the rankings and it makes it easier for others to find us. Don't hesitate to leave us your comments as well. If the podcast didn't meet your expectations, tell us why. We're always striving to improve. You can find us at fermentedadventure.com. We are on Instagram and Facebook as Fermented Adventure. Email us at fermentedadventure at gmail.com. All right, FA Nation, let's meet our guests. We're here at Puerto Rico Distillery. Angel Rivera, Crystal Rivera, I'm Rich Shane, Dawn Ranieri's here, and this is Fermented Adventure, the podcast. So Puerto Rico Distillery, I am so excited because we get to talk Pituro. Did I say that correctly? You said it. I've been practicing right. every time I had the first right. sip last year. <laughs> but all, I will tell you, this is one of the, I think Angel, I told, told you on the phone, I had no idea what Pituro is. There are people now listening in their cars, on their headsets while they're jogging. I don't know. And they're going to say, what is Pituro? And what this did was, like, I have clients, you know, in my real estate practice, and now I got to talk to them, and, and I sounded cool, because now I know what Paturo is. And they, I, I think this is like, to me, I don't know, but this is one of the best-kept secrets that people should know about. And Puerto Rico Distillery, you guys just opened not too long ago. You're a COVID baby, so to speak. So how did Puerto Rico Distillery get started? Tell us your story. Yeah, so we got very lucky. Uh, a couple years of planning, um, but nowhere in our business plans did we have a pandemic and our contingency things to account for. Uh, but we opened uh, March of 2020, right when everything was kind of closing down. Um, but prior to that, we spent a year uh, planning, a year looking for um, our space, and, and then, you know, finally getting to open our doors. Why, Frederick? why this location and you you're all about family mm -hmm. what talk about how all that comes together why frederick maryland mm -hmm. so frederick um is i would say the perfect place for this type of business um the there's there's several distilleries here there's several breweries there's vineyards around the county has decades of experience um with uh this type of business um in their footprint um, and we, uh, we lived in Columbia, Maryland for 19 years. And when we decided to open the distillery for, you know, the, the logical uh, choice was to try to build it close to home so we wouldn't have to sell our home and move somewhere else. And we tried very hard to do it. Um, there's one other distillery uh, in, in the Howard County area. That, two now, actually. Two, so when we, when we were uh, trying to do it, one, and they had 
open not too uh, not too uh, long before when we were trying to do it, and the county really could not uh, didn't have a lot of answers when we went to them, and we were new to the setting up the business, so so we found ourselves with more questions uh, than answers. We actually, from living in the area for 19 years, we came up to uh, Frederick on, on, I'd say, maybe five times. And whenever we said, hey, let's, let's get away for the weekend, we came up here and we found that there was the, the atmosphere sort of had that kind of thing going. Crystal and I came up here almost at the beginning of our search. Yeah. And we went and met with the city and they said all the right things. And then we got in the car and drove back an hour and we talked our way um, out of moving up here because of that. And then we spent the year looking to try to make it work either in Howard County, Anne Arundel, or, or Montgomery County because we thought that closer to D.C. would be better for us. Um, and when when we kept hitting brick walls, we looked at each other and said, remember how it felt really good when we went to Frederick? We came back up here again, um, and we met with them, and by the time we were driving back, we had already decided that we were selling the house, and we did that. We sold the house. We found the space. The city was, was very helpful. The actual, um, our partners up here, uh, Dragon Distillery, 10th Ward, um, all of them offered to help as soon as they found out that, that we were coming. It was it was pretty amazing. Right, uh, we really found community here. Yes. I really think, and Dawn and I have been here, this is our third time in Frederick, and as we walk around the downtown, as we, as we just enjoy even the outer areas, how the mindset of hospitality, it seems as though is first and foremost on the mind of, whoever did the city planning just was really smart about the way everything was set up. Mm. It's a flat area. You can do walking. But the mindset here of whoever is in charge is really focused on business growth and community, it seems. To to your point, hey, this made sense. They're welcoming. You've got all these other businesses here that can't wait to help you guys get up and running because everybody coming together, if somebody says, hey, I want to try Paturo and go to Puerto Rico Distillery. Well, now there's another distillery next door, and there's a couple downtown, right. and there are plenty of um, as you, uh, wineries and, and breweries. Yeah. As a family, what this makes sense for you guys. And as I learn more about Paturo, it's really a family community item, right? It's, it's, it's a cultural family thing. Why is this such a secret to, uh, I guess, us on the mainland? I don't know. How does that work? I, I don't know. Maybe it's because the whole community uh, and culture around Pitorro. Um, I'm going to have to learn how to say it the way you do now. So, so Thank you. Yeah. I, I, Thank you. I, I did right. give you points for, for pronouncing it correctly. The, the, the only thing missing is a little bit more of a rolling of the R, okay. and that comes with drinking Pitorro. Right, well, so, well, so that'll happen. Soon, that, that's, that, that's gonna, that's I'm going to work gonna on happen. it. Okay. Yes. So, so it might be that that because uh, in Puerto Rico, Spanish is the language. So, so that might be part of what isolates it. The fact that that, that Pidotro is a clandestine rum made in a style um, only on the island probably also contributes to that, right? We're, we, we know of some folks that, 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 that are um, on this side uh, making Pitorro. We're the only ones that are actually making it here in, in, the, in the area of the, you know, uh, DMV. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so really, um, it, is, it, is a, it is a kept secret from everybody but Puerto Ricans or people that have been to the island that have had the opportunity uh, to try it. So we find a lot of folks that, that, that are not from the island but they have tried it, and as soon as they they find out about it, there they, they they there's a beeline. 
coming over to visit. Yeah, I, I see this as, you know, if you go to Puerto Rico, you're thinking Puerto Rican rum, mm-hmm. right? I mean, and then it, it seems to me like this would be that left turn you want to take as you're on your way and you never leave. Mm-hmm. And, and you find that Pitoro, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to get there. <laughs> yeah. But there. What, what I find is, now, now, this is, when you say clandestine, this is moonshine. We talked about that, right? Correct. Talk about how this came to be or the, the process of making this for you and, and what it means to the community. Yeah, so essentially anywhere there's alcohol regulation, there's going to be an underground. So when people hear the term moonshine, they tend to automatically think corn whiskey, West Virginia, those types of imagery. Um, but in Puerto Rico, it makes sense for it to be rum. Uh, and as soon as you don't pay taxes on it, it's moonshine. Uh, and then culturally, the tradition on the island is to infuse it with flavor, and, and that has generations of, of history with it. Uh, actually, when we do our tasting, we'll take you through the different flavors, and, and it kind of evolves uh, in that type of generational aspect where different people have done their little twist to it. Right. So, and, and, and culturally, so this is, uh, and I think we say it on the label, this is the true Puerto Rican rum, right? This pitorro is the rum that has been consumed on the island, produced and consumed on the island for hundreds of years, right? The, the Puerto Rico is, is known for, for the more commercial uh, rum, and it is, it is a rum that's been on the island decades. This is the rum that, that has been uh, consumed on the island for hundreds of years. The people that make it pass it on from generation to generation. And there's very much a culture of, of infusing flavor into the rum. That is a huge part of this. So there's, there's the people that actually uh, distill the rum and sell it. And then there's everybody else that knows where to get it gets it unflavored and then takes it home and has either their personal recipe or their family recipe that then they infuse flavor um, into into the rum, usually with fruits, but there's now people are getting very creative and adding all kinds of, uh, of uh, flavoring ingredients to it. Yeah, spices, the, peas. Yes, there's very much a, a, a culture of, of, of sipping this rum because it is infused with flavors. If you're gonna, ha- if you have a cocktail in Puerto Rico, chances are it's with a more commercial rum. If you're gonna have a rum that you're sipping, it's chances gonna be pitorro, and it's gonna be infused by somebody that's very proud of their of their recipe. Otherwise, they wouldn't be sharing it, um, and they're hoping that you have a sip and say that's the best pitorro you've ever had. So there's very much that. If you go to a, a, a any kind of celebration, it's not uh, uncommon for there to be three or four folks there that came with their own bottles, um, and that's what they brought to the party. So talk about your family's history with Pitoro and what, you know, the, the, the legacy of your recipe. Were your, was, were your relatives or your family distilling this at one time, or were you more infusers or both? What, what's your family history to where you start to embrace this as being your passion? So the we're, we've been more on the flavoring side. We've been on the flavoring side for decades. That's something that I that I learned from my father, um, and he's he he's been doing it all his life. What's your earliest memory, Angel, of of learning that? I mean, you're passing this down to your yes. daughter and your family. But what's your earliest memory of, of 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 sitting with dad or working with dad to start the infusions? What was that like? Do you remember? It is a really good question, and nobody's ever asked me, but but I know exactly uh, what it is. Uh, my dad um, was a musician, and he, he played uh, string instruments. So he played um, a, a version of 
of like let's say a banjo sounding instrument is called uh, cuatro. It's a smaller than a guitar and it's mostly to sort of improvise accompanying a guitar. And he would actually go to the parties. They would ask him to 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 play um, and then he would always ask his sons, me among them, to accompany him with a percussion. Right? And then my dad with his friends were always drinking and what would what would happen is and I'm and I'm talking about in my teens, right? Um, and my dad So would, 10, 15 years ago. We would we would all exactly we would all get tired of seeing them drinking and having all that fun. Um, and very quickly, one of my uncles realized that unless you, you, you gave a little bit to, to the percussion section, that they were going to pretty soon be without a percussion section. <laughs> so, so they started actually giving us a little bit of pitorro to, uh, to taste. And then logically from there, it's like, this is good stuff. And, you know, I, I, want, I want to make it myself for my friends. Um, and then, so how did you do that? How did you infuse that flavor? What's this one? What's that one? Uh, in Puerto Rico, it is a lot more like the European um, mentality um, as far as alcohol goes. Your parents and your relatives give you when they think you are ready. Um, there is a limit to, to uh, illegal drinking age. But it, 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 I think it's 18. I couldn't tell you if that's the case because nobody really observes it. Right. Um, when you're and so so that's what I pass it on to Crystal in the same way. Uh, I did a, a, a career in the military and we would go back to Puerto Rico and as soon as as Crystal, I will not divulge the the age, but as soon as I thought it was it was the right time for her and and her sister, we would uh, you know I. I'd pour a, a little bit of pitoro for me and some for her, and then we would have a conversation about the history of it and explain, and we were doing that with my father, who's still um, around. So so it's been really passed on from generations, uh, literally. So I'm not sure what your 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 first memory of pitoro might be. Uh, pretty much how you described it, uh, in the sense that I remember uh, we would go down to Puerto Rico one or two times a year to um, stay connected with our culture and visit our family, of course. Um, I was born on the island, uh, but about a year after we started moving around uh, with the Navy. And um, so in one of the visits uh, got back to the, the island and visiting Abuelo, um, I just remember that um, you know, sitting down with uh, my dad, Abuelo, my sister, and having a conversation about what pitorro is, um, how to sip it, how to you know what you're tasting and what you're looking for, because uh, there's a particular flavor profile and a smell to it. Uh, and we got to the point that uh, my sister and I could automatically uh, and blindly like smell something, taste something, and say, "This is pitorro. This is not," uh, or "This is good pitorro. This is not." <laughs> Sounds like you had more conversations about the good and the bad. Yeah, right? yeah. Oh, you're very educated, very scholarly. Yes, Crystal even got from my dad. A technique to pour from a jug. Yeah, the proper technique. Which, which she basically sort of takes the jug and puts it on, in this corner here. Um, in the crux of your elbow or the, the crux, crux of your arm. The, the elbow it. and then yeah. uses it to lift and pour uh, from there and she's mastered that beautifully. Alright, so not only is there a method of distilling, a method of infusing, there's also a method of pouring mm -hmm. that you need to learn if you want to, so I mean I know there are, you know, master uh, you know, you could do master bourbons I mean you could, so there's obviously a degree where you become a master Pitoro 
consumer. Absolutely. Right? There's pitorro etiquette. I love it. <laughs> there is there is pitorro etiquette. It's very much of the of the culture and the people um, and um, on the island. So I don't think that that maybe anybody would say um, you know you're 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 necessarily not following the etiquette. What they would probably do is is gently show them. Right, if they're seeing that they're doing it wrong. You know, if you're not from the island, if you if you, you know if you're not from Ocean City, Maryland, or you know one of the beaches, you're a shooby, right? I mean, right. you can they, you you can get picked out. It's I like mean, it's like eating crabs. Yeah. It's like eating crabs in Maryland. If people <laughs> see you, they know that you're not from from Maryland, but then they'll they'll kind of help you. Right, or they'll just sit there and laugh. At you. Or yeah. <laughs> Now, you've said a, a number of things here, and, and I want to go in a couple of different directions. The, the, the first thing is, how I guess my question is, how far back in your family do you kind of have an idea of history to where you can identify you know, how many more generations? You said your father. So was it your father's father and his father? I mean, where did that arrive or begin in your family? Do you have a sense of that? Um, so I know that, that from my dad's side, um, it was obviously him, and then his mother was one that always had. Uh, we call the smaller bottles the the two hundred uh, milliliters canecas. She always had one of those in her pocket, and I remember that um, as long as as I was growing up, uh, that that being the case. I don't remember my my grandfather being much of a drinker, um, and so. But it is Pitorra is is ubiquitous, right, on the on the island. So. Um, as I mentioned, my uncles were the ones that would give me the the, the magical uh, juice in order to, to keep on playing when they were when they were playing um, their music and and um, it is just it is it's it's you your family and then the friends of your family and their uncles and their dads um, and it, it's it's basically just everybody an entire generation passing it on to an entire generation. Um, and that, and it's not just for the drinking. It's just culturally, it's 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 that way, right? So where you where if you if you're off base, anybody in that generation can can correct you, and nobody and and you know your parents will thank them for it. And it's like that. It's like the village, right? It's the way I, I want to say is we've had so many conversations over the last couple of days, based on I guess the. the the, the employment situation and, and people wanting to work and not wanting to work. Mm -hmm. But it's the same idea, Angel, that, you know, in my neighborhood, you know, if you did something wrong, mom and dad, my parents knew about it even before I got home. And this is before right. the age of cell phones. Right. I mean, and, and you know, my the, the neighbors had approval to beat me on the way home. Absolutely. It didn't happen often. But what I'm saying is that it's it was that community. It is that. that you know, if, if, you know, two blocks over, if one of the neighbors saw us getting into trouble... They, you know, we knew it's almost like my, our parents were there to, right. you know, correct that as to what you're saying. It's exactly, it's exactly what I'm saying. It applied not just in whether discipline, whether you're off base, but you can be at a party and anybody really can is watching to make sure you're not over drinking and make sure you're, you're doing it correctly. And, you know. Now, you mentioned, you know, handing this the family legacy. Crystal, how do you feel about being now a steward and part of your family's legacy? On, on this, you know, something that you're bringing to really the masses and introducing in your way. Oh, I absolutely love it. Um, I have always had a curiosity about it, obviously, from a family sense. Uh, I dabbled in home brewing before I really got mm -hmm. into um, uh, curando or infusing flavor. Um, but 
so I've always had that curiosity about like the science behind it. Um, but you know, equally important in my opinion, at least, uh, was the uh, significance culturally, historically, traditionally, all that. So I just I'm happy to have that here in the diaspora. Um, being outside of Puerto Rico, uh, I speak for myself, and I know I speak for my sister. Uh, I'm sure a lot of other people that we have that yearning for connection. Um, and to have Puerto Rico distillery, we try to have a little slice of the island here, in Frederick at least. And we hear oftentimes that uh, people that come to visit, they step in our doors and immediately feel uh, a little bit transported. Uh, and I'm happy to be able to have us provide that. Angel, you mentioned your father and how does he feel about this becoming, uh, you know, a business, a family business, an introductory business? How does he, you know, taking his recipes and the things he shared with you, how does he feel about it? Oh, he's, he's over the moon. He's happy about it now. I think he was a little dubious at first. <laughs> Why is that? Uh, he wasn't sure if we could... Uh, that was my understanding. He seemed a little uh, uncertain that we could do commercial pitorro, which is something we've heard before. Uh, as soon as you make it commercially, it's not pitorro. As soon as you make, um, you know, uh, American-style moonshine, it's not really moonshine once you pay taxes. Um, but so the taxes change the flavor? What happens? Exactly. I mean, just... <laughs> and, and that's what we're looking for. We, we are very um, cautious. I don't know if cautious is the word. Uh, particular. Well, it's the idea, like moonshiners. Yeah. I mean, there are moonshiners that will do nothing. They won't pay taxes, and they're known, and people mm -hmm. will buy their moonshine. Right. And they don't want to, they feel that once that happens and they start to be, you know, attached to that side of a business, it, it, it changes who they are or their product. Right, right. I, you know, I think, uh, I, I think it was more along the lines of concern to make sure we did it um, correctly. Right. Which because, is valid. Which is valid. And the reason why I say that is because on the island, um, it, there are at least three uh, distilleries that um, have, they produce rum and they brand it as, as Pitorro. Um, and a number of those you can actually uh, get at the airport at the duty-free when you're leaving when you're leaving the island, right? But um, it, there's there's now a uh, because those rums are more tourist focused. Um, those rums um, are uh, 13, 14 percent uh, alcohol by volume, which is really not not rum. It's it's a specialty. Right, and and there's an association that now Pitorro has commercially um, that people say it's not because first of all it's not done in the traditions and it's not done with the 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 alcohol volume and the proof that people expect. People expect Pitorro to be a very a, a strong rum, right? So, so talk about the process. Talk about you know the traditions. We were talking a little bit as we were. You know, your your stills on right now. You're distilling um, Alba. Is out there? Yeah, she's manning it. She's manning it, right? Um, but talk about the talk about the process. You you made a very good point, and it seems like you're you want to stay as close to, you know, if, if you're making this in your backyard or your basement or wherever you're making, you're, you're trying to stay close to those traditions as possible too, right? Correct. So so we actually, um, as I mentioned before, my background more than thirty years is on the flavoring. So even though I have three and a half years of chemical engineering, when we actually went to open the distillery, we went back to Puerto Rico to the people that I had been buying 
uh, uh, Pitorro for, for decades, and I said, hey, we're going to open a distillery in Maryland. I want, we want to spend time with you. Crystal and I want to spend time with you uh, distilling. We want to know exactly how you do it, what your measurements are, what your formulas are. You know, they, they had no problem sharing all that with us because we were leaving the island. Yeah, stay with, out of our neighborhood that, now, right? With that, exactly. And, and send we, bottles back. And that, we were going to set up way. shop. Yeah. yeah, no, absolutely. We have, we have, we have sent some bottles back to, uh, to the folks that, that helped us out. But it, but in reality, we that's the part that we want to make sure that that even though it's commercial, we can actually take our pitorro and put it right next to a bottle that was distilled by somebody up in the mountains in Puerto Rico, and you can't tell the difference, right? And we take big, we take a, a lot of pride um, in that. Um, it's a, this is a, a small distillery. It's just owned by Crystal and myself. We have a couple of uh, of employees. Things are starting to pick up and, and grow, uh, but our focus is more on making sure we do it right than on stretching what we do in order to make a couple of more bucks. So what are some of the nuances, if you're allowed to share, on making it right? What makes it Pitoro? Mm-hmm. What makes that right? Well, for example, um, step one, fermentation. Uh, we spent a few months, actually, um, playing with different uh, proportions. Uh, we use um, uh, uh, an amount of molasses and an amount of sugar. We have to play with those uh, ratios in order to get um, uh, the flavor profile uh, correct at the end. So, so that plus playing with the yeast, we learned from, um, from our Moonshiner mentors um, they, you know, they use baker's yeast, uh, and we saw in the industry that there's all these fancy different types of yeast, and maybe we want to go turbo, maybe we want to do, um, something, you know, unique, um, but anytime that we would stray from the baker's yeast that we know was tried and true, it, that flavor didn't come through. Um, so the yeast, the proportions of the sugar and the molasses, uh, and then distilling, uh, you know, making sure that we are proving it down uh, at a slow, nice rate, the, you know, no saponification, anything like that. Uh, it's just that little attention to detail. Everything's done in 55-gallon batches. Uh, so we're, uh, we have a ton of 55-gallon uh, stainless steel tanks. So we're able to maintain um, that uh, scale that they have on the island and make sure that it's consistent all the way through. Right, and one thing that that is characteristic of a pitorro is a sweeter aroma, and and it's it's in the air now. Yeah, I love just sitting here. Just if you could make like a, a you know a, a like a air freshener or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, like a candle. I'm down with this one. So so we actually because as Crystal mentioned, we opened in March. Wait, now you're gonna tell it, me you started the candle company? We didn't. We didn't start a candle company, <laughs> but the very first thing that we did was hand sanitizer because we opened as the pandemic was closing right. down, and the federal government asked all distilleries to do it. And and people went bananas over our hand sanitizer because it smelled like Pitorro so much mm-hmm. that, that they just absolutely uh, loved it. Yeah, um, and that was a win on two fronts because right. we were helping out with hand sanitizer supply, but also anything that we wouldn't have been happy with uh, in terms of hitting that very particular Pitorro mark um, didn't go to waste. So uh, once we started you know, really nailing down uh, the flavor profile, the the nose and all that stuff. That's when we kind of veered off of uh, right. hand sanitizer. So, so as you've probably heard from a lot of the distillers, right? They they want to get the heart because that way they can 
put it in barrels of different types and actually control the flavor based on that. Pitorro, we don't we don't put pitorro in, in, in wooden barrels. It's all in, in glass jugs, and then you add the fruit to it. So so because of that, the moonshiners take, want to get the most out of their distillation run, and they keep running into the tail. Just a little bit, yeah. And that's where, the, that's where that yeah, flavor... Yeah, you're going to get flavor. That's you're going to get a lot get, of nuances. Yes, yeah. that's where you get the nuance and the characteristics that, that, that come with, with pitorro. I think you mentioned some of the challenges as far as taking the traditional methods or what you were learning in Puerto Rico mm-hmm. and bringing them here. Um, talking about you know yeast in different proportions of molasses and sugar. What challenges you know? When's your anniversary for opening? Uh, March twenty eighth. March twenty eighth, something like that. Yeah, of, late, late March of twenty twenty. Of twenty twenty. So, if we go back and turn back the clock, you're doing your research and development, you're getting your supplies in, you're all excited, you've got bottles ready to go, and you're starting your, you, you're starting your inventory, and then somewhere in the middle of March, we start getting these shutdown orders, and, and nobody knows what to do, right? Yeah. You're kind of, are we allowed to open, are we allowed to not, you know, wear masks, and, and then all of a sudden, you're coming up on opening day. And you're not sure if you're opening or you're not sure what to do, right? Yeah. Talk about that time frame for you guys. <laughs> um, so we have been shouting from the Facebook uh, mountaintops that we're, we're coming to Frederick. We're opening soon uh, for uh, over a year uh, at that point. And then we're watching the news, saying that it's looking bad, not sure if we can have a grand opening. And... Um, and we're also seeing this could be a long haul situation. Um, so we're, we go ahead, start our production and decide that we actually officially haven't had a grand opening. Um, but we decide, <laughs> we, 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 we you think not, about it. Right. <laughs> we, we, we have not, even when we hit the one year mark, they hadn't opened. Right. It didn't feel like we could have an opening. So, so maybe for a year or two, um, I mean, right now it, 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 it feels like we we can now, but now it feels like a year and a half mm-hmm. party doesn't feel right but, either. But Here's what I'm thinking while you're saying that. So is it the 27th or the 28th? Do you, you have any idea? I want to say it's the 28th. All right, so let's say the 28th. Mm-hmm. So every month on the 28th, you have a grand opening party. <laughs> because you, you really didn't get a chance to celebrate your grand opening, so do it once a month. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've earned it. Uh, <laughs> right, we, I mean, we, we have exactly. We have. Yeah, we so every every month on the twenty eighth, come to Puerto Rico Distillery for their big grand opening party, uh-huh. and then if you miss it that month, you're gonna have another one coming up. Yeah, we we opened technically, but uh, in reality, we opened being closed to the public. So we had were curbside only for up until the summer. We were doing deliveries, um, you know, taking it to the people. Uh, but it wasn't until I want to say midsummer that we actually opened our tasting room for the first time. That's when we met you, and even still, you, you had like four tables, yeah. the high tops, and yeah. everybody was kind of staying in their corner. Right, right. And it, it, it seemed like you were still working out just the process for that, yes. right? Yep, yep. This yep. whole thing has been a learning curve. <laughs> now that you've, you know, now, all right, so, you know, we never know what tomorrow is going to bring, but now that you're at that point where everything's open and people feel comfortable coming out and learning more about what Pitoro is. Talk about what that's been like for you as, as now you've been more quote unquote open to where you're normal and people can get that vibe of what you are. 
you, you start. <laughs> so, so um, we it, the the first year it's almost like it happened, but it didn't kind of really happen, right? The the expectation when you when you first open a distillery is that you take your product to bars, restaurants, liquor stores, you introduce yourself, do a tasting at those places, and they pick up your product. And we did absolutely nothing of that the first year. It was one hundred percent people. Uh, seeing on social media that we were open, seeing our website, buying online, and picking up uh, curbside. And we are now, one year later, finally getting accounts and doing everything that we would have uh, done back back then. Um, it was just, um, it was constantly sort of reinventing what you were doing. For example, um, the, 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 the thing that I mentioned about the... the um, uh, the hand sanitizer, right? I, in my wildest dreams, would have ever thought that the first thing I w we would have done was would have been hand sanitizer. But there we were. We were not selling any rum. We were basically making hand sanitizer, um, and and that was that was being sold. And some of that we were donating. Um, and it it seemed like that took probably the first two months until some of the larger distilleries and manufacturers started actually filling that gap, and we saw that uh, that demand go down. And then we 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 pivoted to to the rums um, it, and it's just been constantly like that you know you open you close um, one thing that we did is when we be, because uh, our uh, pitoro requires a certain amount of aging for each of the flavors when we opened we opened just with the classic unflavored and that's the only thing we had um, and one thing that we did in order to move move that uh, was uh, we have a, a YouTube channel Crystal and I went on that YouTube channel and we actually gave workshops on how to infuse flavor um, into the rum. We have a whole series of, of different uh, flavors, formulas, techniques, recipes, um, and then people, we basically taught them how to use the unflavored one and then that, that moved and then that moved until we got the traditional, which was the second recipe that we had, um, and then so forth. And then we still do those workshops because they're a lot of fun. They are part of the culture. We enjoy doing them. Um, but but initially, it was a lot of, what can we do now in order to move the, 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 the product? Right. And I would say that we operated uh, out of an abundance of caution, uh, especially considering that we didn't, we were the staff. Uh, the, it was my, my dad, my mom, myself, uh, my sister occasionally, uh, and her partner. So it was essentially family. And... Until the vaccine came out, we were hyper vigilant about, you know, sanitizing, masking up, all that stuff, um, distancing, um, probably more than we even needed to. But considering that my grandma lives with my parents, uh, we just figured if one of us goes down, we're all going to go down and we can't afford to risk it. Um, so and we kind of maintain that philosophy. We're all vaccinated now. Um, but now we're also at a point where we have grown and now we're looking to hire. So that is the thing that's more limiting. So we're kind of just kind of slow motion going. All right. When we come back, we're going to try your amazing Pitoro and we're going to introduce the infusion idea to the world and get a sense of what all this is all about. Okay. Perfect. kits, beer, grain, dog bones, brewskits, your dog will go wild. kits. Beer, grain, dog bones, a healthy alternative for your pup. Brewskits are all natural and made in the USA. Visit brewskit.com. That's B-R-E-W-S-C-U-I-T dot com. 
I think we're going to need a bigger table because <laughs> all of this stuff, I mean, what do we got? Two, four, six, seventeen. We got 30 things we're going to drink today, <laughs> but right now we have seven or seven on the table, right? Right. Yes. Seven flavors. Uh, when we came here, I think you were only, you'll hear the, the, um, the original, I mean, we, I think we're three flavors. So you guys have been busy yeah, it's been a while. in a while. <laughs> wow. Now. Yep. All right, so we're gonna we're gonna try Pitoro, 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 and um, we're gonna go right for the, the the basic one, right? Yep, that is the blank canvas, the classic, as we call it, is yeah. is the one rum that we specialize in, mm -hmm. and then we have the tradition of infusing flavors. So it's that one or a flavored version of that one. Right, they're all one hundred proof, but the fact that it's unflavored, um, kind of, it's wild in the sense that like there's nothing else to, to like distract you from the strength of it uh and then what you're looking for in the nose um you're going to be looking there's a little bit of sweetness to it uh a little bit of funk that some people compare to like a rum agricole in other parts of the caribbean um but uh, a rum agricole mm -hmm. now what would that be just as an idea or just to conceptualize that it's just a uh, yeah, a byproduct really, yeah. of rum? Uh, no, no, it's a, it's a style of rum. Okay. Uh, not typically done in Puerto Rico, but um, we've heard described that um, the big personality, big flavor profile of, um, of Pitorro um, more closely matches that than the typical uh, style of Puerto Rican rum that is more um, neutral and kind of lends, lends itself to cocktails. Uh, more so. I'm glad because I'm thinking as we try rum and we have that experience, I mean, what you said, I mean, you can drink, you can know what the difference, if I knows this, I know that's Pitoro, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or I knows rum and I know it's rum. Right. I mean, both are rum. It's just the style. Of it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Just the style. It's mm -hmm. like, I can say, all right, I know what a Tennessee whiskey is mm -hmm. and I know what a bourbon is if I can, you know, get to that point on the nose and on the flavor profile. Yeah, right? exactly. So... Um, for for it being 100 proof, it's um, you know surprisingly smooth, and you do not yeah. get you don't get the ethanol burn on the nose. You, it doesn't even take over your senses on the nose. Right. So you, what you're saying, I get I get this um this this I want to just say like a, a tropical fruity nose to it. Mm -hmm. um, yes. If if I was, uh, I almost feel like when I I grill pineapple. I, I almost get this like grilled pineapple, and I think that's from some of the molasses on there. Mm -hmm. Yes, that, yep. that gives it that characteristic. Yep. But it, it, I get that funk. I almost, I also get a brininess to that, and I don't know if anybody's ever said that to you. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, not, not that might be first. It, it's there a little yeah. bit, um, like almost that that ocean air coming, mm -hmm. that that mist coming off the ocean somewhere. Yeah. So for people that can handle the the strength of um, you know, the flavor, I uh, encourage uh, trying the, um, the unflavored uh, rum uh, pitorro first. That way they see what the canvas is that we're kind of playing with and how it evolves with the different flavor profiles. Right. And, and one thing that we say is, is, it is it is what we're using to infuse all the other ones. So if we start with a good rum, unless we screw it up, you're going to end up with a good flavored rum. Mm-hmm. Now, is there a way, I mean, we're going back to the family traditions, and is there a way I should be sipping this or a way you should be introducing this to the palate? Um, so this one in particular, one thing that we that we tell folks, uh, just because it is, it is it has no flavor, so it really, you, you get all of the strength of it, of the proof, is, you know, put a little bit on your, on your, on your, on your, 
tongue, tongue and, and basically give fair warning to the taste buds that you're going to have 100 proof. But then once you do that, once they're nice and, 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 and woke and, and expecting it, you can get a nice sip in, in and you will definitely feel the warming sensation of 100 proof, but it'll go down very smooth. Um, and it won't burn or anything because it, it is it, it is a, it is a good rum. It is very similar as you just described it to me, Angel. Um, of, of enjoying um, tequila, mm-hmm. you bring it to your lips. You allow that, and it just kind of works its way to the tongue, and then you start right. to bring it in. So you get you said that burn and, and or that that warmth. I mean, there's that Kentucky hug, mm-hmm. and this is the Pitoro hug, right? right? This right. is Correct. this is saying, hey. By the way, don't forget, I'm 100 proof. Mm-hmm. Right. And it does drink 100 proof, but I love that sensation because what you get as, as the oils and the ethanol in your mouth just kind of play with all those areas, so many things just mm-hmm. keep popping along. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just, I, I, I could just sit there and just sip that. Oh, I could sip this. Yeah, even right. if you stop there, you know, <laughs> but it's not enough to stop there, is it? Yeah. <laughs> well, and generationally, this is how my great grandfather's generation would have drank it. Uh, they, it would have been straight out at the still, you know, long, working long, hard days, want to get straight to the punch. Um, uh, but also partially because economically they didn't have a lot of disposable money at the time. Right. They didn't have, um, you know, extra money to be spending on uh, flavoring ingredients, those types of luxuries. Right. So we're talking like 1920s and before. So my grandparents' generation, this is the only pitorro they... So they, where did the inf- idea of infusing it come in and that becoming more of the custom? So, so, so I'm not sure if this is true, but this is my story. My story is that my parents' generation whipped, whipped out on their parents, and they thought this that the unflavorable was too strong. Okay. So they came up with the next one that you can try, which is we call it traditional, because that is the recipe that that my father's generation and people from my generation we all grew up um, having that one. Um, it's the only one that was known on the island or or done on the island for for the longest time, um, and it. Typically is um, raisins, prunes into into this rum. Nothing else. No. It sounds like a gastric. It almost sounds like it's a, a digestive in a right. way. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and it, and that's kind of across the board. This is not something to toss back like a college shot. You're you're sipping on it. You're it's savoring the flavor. You're really appreciating it because you don't need to throw it back. Right. Right. In, in our case, we we added to the traditional recipe of of raisins and prunes, cranberries. So ours is raisins, prunes, and cranberries. We just basically take those three and 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 um, and age them in the rum, and then we pull the the fruit out, and then you're left with the the traditional, which is our best seller. Um, it is um, because it has um, the association with a lot of folks from that generation. Uh, we've had uh, grown men actually tear up um, in our tasting room. Because it reminds them of having uh, sipped that rum with their with their father, which is is either on the island or in some cases they're not even with us anymore, um, and so it has that strong of an association with with a whole generation uh, of folks on the island. I'm so just going to start to tear up, Angel, just because of that story there. <laughs> so that's, we, that's awesome. It, it, no, it, it, it oh my god, yeah, I am a softie. So so that is that is my favorite. Um, my favorite. That is and that is my daughter's favorite, um, and it, not only is it is it is it a good one, but again, it, it has a lot of things that make you feel good uh, about about enjoying it. All right, Educate you. me, because in my mind, I don't think of cranberries mm-hmm. as something that are found indigenously in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. Yes, I mean, it, 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 
tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong. Correct me, because I don't mind. So is that more of the cranberries? Is that something you'd find in a Puerto Rican Patoro? Or is this your spin on it that kind of gives you... it your characteristic of saying, this mm -hmm. is where we're planting our flag, and this is how we want to take that and make it our own? Yeah. Part of it is the American influence. At this point in the like historical timeline, you're seeing more um, products come in uh, from the states. Uh, you know, Puerto Rico being a commonwealth, um, that ha has a lot to do with that sense. So, and, and as, I said, as I said, so 1920s and before, nothing. And then my dad's generation, they're, they're born in the, in the 1930s. Then some of these some of these products that are not indigenous from Puerto Rico, right? You don't we, we don't produce raisins, um, and and, uh, and and any of that. Those things did were available, and then they were able to actually take those and incorporate them into the actual aging process. Um, th not that there weren't other things that were done before. Something that is famously done on, on the island is actually just taking pitorro um, and and actually getting a coconut, emptying, taking out the coconut water putting pitorro in it and then you seal it again um, and then you you actually take that coconut and you bury it under in, in the ground and put a little stick that marks where that it's buried um, and then you come back and get it after after a certain amount of time well how much time do you have to leave a coconut in the ground you not a whole lot I mean is this a week a month not not a whole lot so so if you, you don't want to leave it a whole lot because the actual coconut uh, the coconut will actually absorb some of some yeah, of the rum so you you don't you only want to leave it in there maybe at the most two weeks okay uh, to, to get the flavor to go that into like fun, what I'm hearing about that is if I start walking around somebody's backyard in Puerto Rico and I start seeing little sticks mm. I, I know you know maybe it's like you know don't don't start going after a lobsterman's lobster pot right same right, thing right. right yeah 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 so we actually have a video of a, of a friend of ours that's an artisan and we actually yeah. went to went to his house to pick up a, a hand drum that he was making for me um, and uh, and he knew that I like pitorro so in the, he paused and and told us what he was doing and we actually followed him with the camera um, and saw where he he basically dug he took the little stick where he had it marked and dug all the way to uh, a hole that that uh, up to his elbow and then pulled up a, a plastic black bag that had four uh, three coconuts uh, in it and then he took it off and we started drinking out of that coconut so Puerto Rico is hot so you definitely you want to you want to have it in a cool place that's why part of it of the burying it uh, um, is it does that and so it, so it, it, it keeps it nice and cool and also you want to keep it away from the from the Sun and the light and so it serves that double purpose Wow that is so much that fun I'm gonna start burying stuff in the backyard <laughs> now one of the things I noticed in, in the characteristic of this you if you set, if you sip these one after the other, the infusion gives it so much of that sweet um, flavor to it. You get the the raisins, and you get that tartness of the cranberry, which I just love. Mm -hmm. And then it, it it finishes with that molasses finish to it. Mm -hmm. And essentially, if I did these side by side, that would be the only time I would say, "Oh, is this that?" Mm -hmm. Because of the finish, not as much as the way it pronounces or presents itself in the beginning. So this is almost like having two different. Uh, expressions in a way of two different products that really stand on their own. Yes, yes. I mean, the, the, the ingredients all do a sort of do their own magic um, on, on the rum. So even though it is the same base rum, Pitorro, that we're actually using, um, when you guys get to, to coffee, you'll see that it's like, it, you, you do get the essence of the Pitorro, but 
the the actual flavoring process is is part of the magic. Yeah, I think the essence is is really what's there, but I'm just loving the way this you know kind of translates over with all the different infusions you're right, right. So what's the third one? So the third one is almond. So okay. almond is the the <laughs> only one. Yeah, almond is our second best seller. Almond is the only one that we don't make with actual fruits. We take pride in, in all our rums being made with the actual fruits. Um, it, it, not sure if you've tried. It's hard. To, it's hard to squeeze an almond, right? So, so uh, they, they squeal a lot. They make yeah, a lot of noise. They, they, they scream. Do, they do. They do. And you, yeah. don't, and you don't get much out of it. Um, so we do. Uh, we we were we went through several different um, almond um, extract vendors until we found the one that really gave a really nice aroma of uh, of almond. Um, and just complemented the rum uh, well, um, and that's what that is. And, and we, um, you know, our tagline is Puerto Rican-born, Maryland-made. So we're proud of being from the island, but we've we've lived most of our lives already um, in Maryland. So so the the we we look for opportunities to actually use products from uh, from Maryland, and the the almond that we use to flavor. The, um, the the honey that we use to flavor the almond is we get it from the University of Maryland, um, and you said honey the honey that you use to flavor to to, to sweeten to sweeten and, okay and, and flavor too because there's there's a component to it um, in the workshops that we give we give different uh, recommendations on when to sweeten it with uh, with either white sugar brown sugar or honey depending or the fruit itself right for example a traditional you don't use any of those because the fruits already has has some sweetness uh to it i love the nose i think that this is one of the reasons why you I know yeah it, it's it has that you know if the characteristic if you're thinking about almond you're thinking about an amaretto mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without um i, I think again what this brings is you still get that Pietoro accent right. where you're getting the the molasses and the characteristic of that, mm-hmm. which really creates more of a journey on this on this flavor and the nose. I just love it. Right. And what's interesting with the honey that we're using, there's actually a few different flavors that we use the honey from the University of Maryland. Um, but because it's local um, and depending on whatever uh, the the bees are pollinating at a particular time, we find that different batches may have a different hue um, right. de- depending on the honey. Uh, yeah, and it's the flora that the bees are actually right. uh, uh, making the honey from that, 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 that you know, determines the color. So, so one thing that we say for, the, uh, for our almond clandestino is that you're, you're, you're drinking Maryland. By by the fact that that the, you know the color is different and also some of the flavor of the honey itself is slightly different because you're using the natural resources. This really is almost parallel to a winemaker who had right. you know whatever is coming out of that the the, the grapes that year mm-hmm. or the season or how well. This is so much different as you said. Look, and this is why it's important. Do not kill bees. Right. You know, and right. be more aware of the, the the value that bees are and, and what they bring to our world. Um, because if without the bees, you can't make this amazing product. Right. We've learned a lot about uh, bees and honey through this process and the connection with the, the Honey Bee Lab uh, in the University of Maryland. Uh, we actually have one of our Facebook Live videos is interviewing them. And so. talking about bees and exactly. talking about the honey. So yeah. Yeah. If you really want to go into it, we can... <laughs> there <laughs> what i really so the honey really brings a viscosity to this mm-hmm. that is a real pleasant enjoyment of just sipping this because a lot of these are, are, are just there for sipping 
are there cocktails that you're making or are there thing, other variations you're doing with, with this pitoro? Well, traditionally, as Angel has mentioned before, uh, it's not... Um, uh, it's not in tradition to mix it in a cocktail. Uh, you're essentially diluting um, this, you know, elixir that is so good. Um, but I was waiting for the butt. <laughs> but we are making it commercially, and you know, it is 2021, and uh, as we have seen, the pitorro has evolved over the timeline. Um, so we do have uh, a page uh, on our website where. Um, me and my dad are old school in the sense that we sip it, but our fans have um, referred to us uh, that they've done this with cocktails. We have a few cocktails ourselves. My sister's more the mixologist of the family. Um, so two of our three ready-to-drink cocktails were made by her. Um, but you're seeing more of that now. Uh, for the almond specifically, uh, around fall, I was um, really getting down with almond and... Um, apple cider uh, for like a nice fall cocktail. Yeah, we, so traditionally it's a sipping rum and that's kind of where our heart is. Uh, but it's interesting because we, you have, we, you know, we have customers that come in and do a tasting and they're like, this is amazing. I love the almond and they're just sipping it. But then their next question is, what can I put this into? Right. And, and when we first opened, we did not have answers to any of that. Um, and what we, what we realized it, dawned on us very quickly there's very much a cocktail culture um, in the States. Right, and that's why I'm asking, because in a lot of ways, in your mind, look, I agree with you, and most things that we enjoy, yeah. I don't want to add a mixer to it. I just want to, I, I hardly ever want to add an ice cube. <laughs> but in a way, you can take this and you're like, wow, what can, I, what can I really enjoy? And, you know, I'm already wowing my friends with what this is, but wouldn't that be a nice interesting way to, to, to change it a little bit. Yeah. So, so it is. And what we did is we, 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 we have a pretty good relationship. I mean, we try to be very friendly with, with the folks that come in and very honest. And we said, hey, we don't know. But guess what? If you if you've hit on something that really works well, send it to us. And the, the, the tab on our website that Crystal mentioned is full of recipes from uh, pictures uh, that, that our customers have actually uh, done and sent it to us and now there's a bunch of them in there so and, and now when they get they ask us the question we say we basically have a qr code they say hey look at this and they're all there and people can see it and then we and we extend the invitation so if you come across something take a nice picture send it to us and we'll we put, and we put you on the page okay yep. good so but here's the thing that's a nice thing that now we're talking to a lot of people right now who may hear the podcast. How do they get a hold of the Pitoro from you? How do they get it? Are you able to ship out of Maryland or how do they find you? Or do they need to come to Frederick and visit with you and learn your story? We haven't gotten into shipping yet. It's still something that we're looking into. Um, but as we mentioned, we're kind of a small team. So in terms of priorities, it's a little further down. But again... Um, you can find us here at the distillery in Frederick, uh, and now more and more we are being found in different retail locations. So we have a spot in uh, Baltimore, the wine source, um, 818 Market in Catonsville. Uh, if you are military and in the Virginia area, the Centerville uh, has nice military rates, uh, Centerville Coast Guard Exchange. Uh, and. You know, probably the biggest location where you can find us is uh, the Montgomery County um, Alcohol and uh, Beverage uh, Service uh, 
system. So there's 26 locations that you yep. can find us there. Yep. And then we we as of last week we delivered to uh, Taney Town. Um, and they're right on the border with Pennsylvania, and we had a lot of folks that come to Pennsylvania, and we still welcome them coming to us. But if they want to save a couple of miles on their car, then then they can definitely right. go. And there. what's important to note, and and this is why you want to come here, because there are going to be expressions that you're making here that you're not going to be able to get off the retail shelves. Right, right. And within a two-hour drive, two and a half-hour drive, you're covering a lot of geography, and this is definitely if if. If you have now that you've heard about what Pitoro is and the history, this should be on the list of places you want to come to. Frederick Merlin, come to Puerto Rico Distillery to really get a, an idea of what this really is and why this is so important. So, okay. so one thing that if you look at our Instagram, Facebook page, you'll see is that because we are the only ones doing this um, stateside, we've actually had people drive from from Tampa Bay, Florida. We've had people drive from Chicago. We've had people, uh, what we, this blew our mind. So we are finding ourselves um, on the on the must-visit list of people that come to the area to visit relatives, and they want to take them to the Washington Memorial, they want to take them to the Smithsonian, and they want to take them to Puerto Rico Distillery. Because those are things that you can only find. Yeah, here. I mean, if you're going to go there, I mean, top three. I mean, that's pretty good. <laughs> So, so you know, we looked at each other and says, "Really, you know, we're, we're finding ourselves in, in in that in that company, which was kind of crazy." Right. But but the thing is that that it, if most people from the island, when they go to the island, they sneak a little bottle in their in their in their check-in bag, coming back. But now, if you don't mind or you have a purpose to come here to the area, um, and you're driving, especially, then then why not? Um, you know, you visit your relatives that are in the in, in Maryland, Delaware, Virginia, D.C., all those areas. You drive a little bit more, and you can go back home with the case of, of the real thing. Or two. Right. And if you make a trip, yeah. let us know, because Angel has a nice little checklist. Uh, he's got a map where he's highlighted different uh, visitors yeah, I from call different it, I call it Clandestino USA. <laughs> so, so right now, uh, we've had visitors from probably about 23 of the of the 50 states. That's awesome. That's got I mean, that. To, right, so that aha moment when you're on to something, that's got to be one of them for you. Mm -hmm. When you start seeing people from throughout the United States and they're saying, hey, we came all the way from here just to see you, that's got to be really cool for you. Oh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Very validating. It's a, it's a relief to know that we weren't just uh, a couple of pitorro kooks that thought, like, this is great. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, no one if else. If we build it, they will come. Yeah, exactly. Oh, they're coming. Yeah, they're yeah, they're that's awesome. Coming. So what is the next one here? So the next one, I think it's coffee. No, right? that's coconut. Oh, okay. Coconut. Yeah, you're on that side there. Yes, it's coconut. Now, was this buried out back somewhere for a couple weeks, or <laughs> how are we doing <laughs> on this On our one? scale, we're not uh, burying anything, No, we're not. We're not. We're not. So, so on the... On the coconut, the one thing that we wanted to do was avoid uh, what we consider it uh, the too sweet uh, prof uh, uh, flavor profile. On some of the rums that are in the market, they tend to be too sweet or uh, synthetic in the suntan lotion kind of vibe. Right. So, so really, it is um, it is it is the classic pitorro, and then you can get you can get the, the the coconut, and we do put some honey in there in order to 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 sweeten it some, but. You know, as we were developing the flavors, we realized that some people would like it very sweet, 
So we have some that are very sweet. We we um, have some people that are just coffee lovers. So as long as we made it with a lot of coffee flavor, they would they would love it. And then the, the 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 coconut was one that we wanted to try to keep it closer to the to the actual original, but but actually give the folks that would be looking for that coconut flavor um, that option. So it's and a, this is a hundred proof still. Yeah, it's a hundred right? proof, um, and you're getting that coconut, but it's more subtle and it's natural because we use um, you know diced coconut chunks instead of anything, um, as I mentioned, synthetic. Yep. Now, do you toast the coconut at all, or is Not it just raw, raw coconut? Mm -hmm. raw, raw coconut. It is, it is sweetened, right? From the from where we get it, it, it is sweetened already, but it's just basically the hard coconut diced up and then and then coated with a little bit of, of, uh, of, of powdered sugar. Um, and then that itself is enough to actually give it the flavor. We do put some honey um, into it, so it does have that, adding in a little bit of, of the flavor of the honey and, and the sweetness, but not a whole lot. I was waiting to see if you were going to leave any of that. <laughs> one of our, one of our, so we have three, co three uh, ready-to-go cocktails that we make. Uh, one of them is our version of the pina colada, and it's nothing more than that one and pineapple juice. Um, that is it, and it is very, very popular. It is, it is enough of the coconut flavor in order to give that pina colada uh, flavor, uh, minus the creaminess that you tend to associate with the pina colada, right. so people like it a lot. That's the La Perla, uh, and so it's got the smell and the taste of a pina colada, minus the heavy creaminess that you typically experience. What are the other two ready-to-drink cocktails? Because you mentioned you have three. What are the other two? So, um, and they're all named after places in Puerto Rico. Um, Crash Boat is uh, named after uh, a beach on the west side, and it's the other one with coconut. So it's got coconut uh, pitorro, coconut water, orange juice, honey, and fruits. So kind of picture a pitorro sangria. Um, I'm picturing it. Right. <laughs> um, and so that one has a very beachy kind of vibe. And um, the other one is El Morro. Mm -hmm. And um, that one has passion fruit rum and pineapple juice and a touch of grenadine. Passion fruit? So, so we right. take so we, we have it in R and D. So until we're happy with um, it, we're right. using it. Right, I don't see that on the table. <laughs> right, right. Wow, it's in R and D. <laughs> wow, that's coming out. And tamarind is the other flavor that that one's already in the hopper. That one, the formula is approved by TTB, and we have or the labels. Uh, the labels are getting uh, produced now. Um, as a matter of fact, I think the latest post that I put this morning. Um, no. no. Yeah, we got to discuss the release date. Okay. <laughs> there was no latest post. Just sort of. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> All right. Well, while we're, while we're correcting that, what's the next one? So the next one is uh, a pineapple. Pineapple. Um, now so I want to take this and I want to mix it with the coconut. coconut yeah. yeah. I should yeah, have saved you, a little bit. You can do it. You wouldn't be the first one. We've had people in the tasting room that they combine the, the coconut and the pineapple to see if it tastes like a pina colada rum. Right. And it does. What I really get out of, especially the last two, is you want to take the essence or you want to take the character. This doesn't become a pineapple drink. Mm -hmm. It becomes a pitoro with pineapple. Mm -hmm. Correct. Right? right? And that's important. Exactly. That's right. Yeah, we, we um, for everything we've released so far in the next couple, um, we are trying to go with the... With the um, because we are a business, right? We're trying to hit the, the, the broader uh, 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 population. We went with the flavors that we know are very popular on the island. Pineapple, coconut, um, coffee, um, and, and so forth. All right. So when we talked about, uh, here's like, my mind's thinking. 
I mean, I love this idea of where I can take the... I want to infuse, like, that sangria idea. Mm -hmm. I just want to soak a lot more pineapple in here. Take the pineapple, mm -hmm. throw it on the grill, and then I can enjoy the best of both worlds in my in my pineapple pitoro. Mm -hmm. Because it's just, you're starting to, you just start to create ideas. Now, I can see why, you know, as, as just, you invite your friends over, you're, you're talking about the day and your ideas, and this is what comes out of this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just, just great conversation, and I'm thinking, what else, what else? How much more can we have fun with this, right? Yeah. And really, as long as you have your base spirit, you can do this. It doesn't have to be with pitoro. You can use the same techniques with uh, vodka. You can use... No, no, no. Yeah. Why do we want to do that now that we have this? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying these are transferable skills. Okay. <laughs> now, I also... There's honey in this as well, yes? Yes. The, yes. So you really still get that... It, it adds a little more, again, that viscosity mm -hmm. in, in the profile and, and that pineapple really lingers. It's still the fruit there that lingers. The yeah. coconut lingers, the pineapple lingers, and, and you mm -hmm. can just really enjoy that through the conversation. As you're, right. as you're breathing in and out and having that, that's what I'm getting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's still there. Yeah, it's absolutely there. Um, so we use the really, it's a, just a touch of the honey and um, unsulfured dried pineapple chunks. Um, so the reason that we're doing dried fruit instead of fresh, it, more so because we don't want to have the water content of the fruit diluted, um, uh, and it's also like controllable. Mm -hmm. And then we end up. We you mentioned uh, that you wanted to add a little more pineapple to it and play. I'm it just a sitting around thinking, yeah. like you know, now I'm just I'm just thinking if we're friends and I got people over in the backyard, and I say, all right, here's the bottle. Mm -hmm. And here, I just grilled all these pineapple. Mm -hmm. I just grilled all this piece mm -hmm. of pineapple. And it's going to take on the, the you know, the, it's going to look almost like brulee right, as, as you right. grill it. So we do end up, uh, because the, the pitojo that we have is without the fruit. Uh, we want the customer to have 100% of the liquid and not have, um, it essentially, be buying the, the fruit uh, to fill up that space. Uh, so we take up the fruit, we press it, we filter it, all that stuff, uh, so that you end up like a consistent, you know, high-class uh, product. Um, and we end up having the fruit that we donate to pigs around, <laughs> like local farmers around here, and the very happy pigs that are eating our um, pitorro <laughs> pineapple leftovers and coconut chunk leftovers. I want to have that baby. <laughs> 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 any pig that's dining on pitoro mm -hmm. pineapple yeah yeah I, I want that i want again now you're thinking all right you know maybe we just marinate some of that go. pork in the i mean is that something that would be a traditional idea that somebody would cook with that like that so so we're actually um finding out here a lot of people doing that we actually um every saturday uh, we're bringing in a food vendor and they're actually taking our rum and actually making some of the dishes that they're sauces preparing. and yes man yes. you can do a lot the, with desserts yeah. actually um, the almond the almond is, is one specifically that we have a lot of people that come get it to bake to bake cakes uh, and different desserts was that something you envisioned, or is that again another aha moment? No, like, that that wow, they're cooking with—they're cooking with this stuff. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, we 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 did not see that coming. Again, we're, we weren't even doing cocktails, so cooking with it is uh, like just <laughs> over our heads. But we have a lot of baker friends that have done amazing cakes with it, flan, you know, afternoon cocktails. Mm -hmm. So I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna soak sponge cake or something like that in there. Just like, just let yeah, it. Yeah, we like... have the almonds, so we're, we're gonna all right. create it. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I'll recommend that you do the the coconut chai next 
the coconut chai next. Just be, yeah, just because the coffee is really bold, so it might um, it might trump your your uh, your chai experience if you have it first. So 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 the coconut chai is is um, one that we released uh, around the holidays. Um, it is a recipe that it was a personal recipe that that I had been making it, um, and it didn't matter when uh, I gave friends. It, it everybody said this tastes like Christmas just because there are a lot of holiday dishes on the island that have a lot of spices and this one had the chai all the spices from the chai um, uh, is the closest thing that, that that we have that resembles a, a spice from so it is it, you know um, it is good from that standpoint it is on the sweeter end we do put uh, more honey than some of the other ones um, so the, the almond and the coconut chai are a little bit on the sweeter end um, for those that like like the sweeter rums um, Angel as, has a sweet tooth I, have, I, I like it a little drier so we try yeah, to balance so as I mentioned we try to, we try to have a, a variety of different ones that's on the sweeter end this is delicious yeah it, it's, it's very really popular good. We have a little bit left. Um, we actually release it as a seasonal, but wow, yeah, it's really good. Oh my god! Yeah. I mean, I, I I can say that for all of them. Please don't. Th yeah. These are all your right. children. I don't mean to slight <laughs> one, but right now this one went up to the plate and hit a home run, and the team won, mm -hmm. and so we're celebrating this one right now. Yes, yes. Now wow. that, that is that is very popular. That one wow. that one's very popular. Yeah, you're gonna need a bigger boat. <laughs> yeah. So what, so what's interesting is that so we. When we were approaching the holidays, um, a lot of our customers were saying, can you release something in a smaller size? I want a gift, but I don't want to gift a whole bottle. My budget doesn't accommodate for all that. So we released it in a smaller bottle, and then those same customers were saying, I would like to have it in a bigger bottle for me because, uh, you know, I don't have to buy three or four of the right. smaller ones. Uh, and, and, and I want and all the other flavors in the smaller bottle. Yes. Is what they also said. <laughs> so here's, I mean, that's a good point. I mean, this is, this is a learning process for your business, mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, in understanding that you, you, this is a limited release for you. Right. But you still need to continue to do production. Yeah. And you've got a 55-gallon or 53-gallon still going, mm -hmm. right, production. Mm -hmm. So you have to think, as this grows in popularity, you almost have to ramp up to say, all right, for the next month or two or whatever this is going to take up your production meaning you have to source right. the ingredients and everything else so you know that's like the learning process for your business right 100%. what goes into that for so, you right now so yeah and and there's 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 a there's definitely a learning process in there uh my day my day job is uh is a project manager so i you know we when we basically designed the distillery knowing that that it was craft but that we would eventually have demand um, right now, what we are doing um, in the 55-gallon uh, tanks, as far as flavoring, each one is a is a flavor. But as you walk out, you'll see um, um, the the IBC tanks are like 700 gallons or something like that. Uh, 550. 550. So those two we haven't even used yet, right? So when we get to the point where we have any of these rums that that meets the threshold that that we have. Uh, the demand in order for us to actually move, then we will move production into uh, two of those, which in, in, in turn will free up some of the 55-gallon tanks that we have in order for us to actually make more. Um, we are in our third year of a of a five-year lease here, so you know we're already um, uh, seeing that there's a trend 
um, up, and we're already thinking about how do we actually expand production uh, probably somewhere else. That's exciting. I mean, that's exciting to say our baby, what we had conceptualized in taking this traditional idea from our home, bringing it to the United States. They like you. They really like you. Yeah. Right? Yes. That's great. Yes. I love that. So, so it, you, I think you said at the be, at the beginning of our conversation, this is this is a a, a secret. Um, not anymore. Not not anymore. <laughs> you know, Mexico has tequila, and everybody knows it, right? Brazil has uh, cachaça, and everybody knows it. Um, and uh, Mama Juana in the Dominican Republic, popular. You know, I, and, and and nobody except for if you were from the island knew about pitorro. So 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 we're really happy that that um, that it's getting to be known. And if we're the ones to do it, then even even happier. That's awesome. Now, I notice each one of your bottles has this little um, ring around it on the bottom. Yes. yes. We have, uh, is, that, is that like, a, is there a significance to that? There's yeah. a significance to everything. Okay. Yes. Uh, all right. <laughs> Those details matter. Um, so uh, each bottle has a rubber band uh, okay. around it. Um, and that rubber band is a nod to um, the historical past of rum runners here in the States that used to insulate their bottles uh, to keep them from clinking, um, you know, when they were... Um, no, transporting Transporting, uh, keeping them from clinking. Uh, in Puerto Rico, it's still illegal, as we mentioned before, but it's so socially acceptable that you don't really have to go through those uh, same types of lengths. Everybody everybody that, that makes it, makes it in their house, mm -hmm. and everybody that buys it goes to that house to buy it, so they don't have to transport it. Right. But here in the States... Um, if you if you have a still, you don't even tell your mother that you have a still because your mother might have a still, and she might call the police on you, or she might break yours in order to because you're the competition. Man, Angel, if my mom had a still, I'm really pissed so, off. She never told me about it. <laughs> so 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 what happens in the states is that the 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 actual uh, moonshiners have to transport the rum in the bottles to their customers, and in the process of putting it in the trunk and insulating it so they don't clink or break. They, they cushion it. So the, the rubber band is simulating the cushioning of the bottles. So even though we don't do it in Puerto Rico, we are basically sort of paying our respects to the moonshiners yeah, here. Yeah, we're here in the States, so we wanted to get that. I, I just, the, the sense of purpose, the sense of belonging, the sense of history, in, in as you said, everything that you do, there's a reason for why you do it. Mm -hmm. And it's a conversation, too. Because I notice, like, there's all different rubber bands on here and I was you know normally if I have a rubber band I put it on my wrist and I snap it to remind myself or just to do something and but that's that's again there's a lot of people that came before you mm -hmm. that gave you the gateway to be here doing what you're doing there, there are so many similarities between the traditions of the moonshiners um, in the states and in Puerto Rico that that it is um, it is worthwhile sort of uh, uh, paying respect to that they do a lot of the same things i mean as crystal pointed out they they are more focused on on the spirits that are uh that are produced um uh with grains and 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 those types of things but but it's it's a lot of the same thing they distill and they put it in bottles and they add flavor to it by adding peaches and all kinds of of, of uh, flavoring ingredients now this last one is the coffee, which you said That's to save for last. And this is coming from coffee that comes from Puerto Rico. That's yes. right. Right? And is this a, uh, a secret 
coffee provider? No, 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 no. So we have um, uh, market uh, marketplaces um, throughout the island. Every town has it. Um, a plaza de mercado. So that's it's it's usually a plaza where all the merchants that that have uh, agricultural products take their products in order to sell and everybody goes to that one spot and buys it there. So this is a um, um, a producer. He basically buys the coffee and then brings it there and then he actually uh, uh, toasts the coffee there and uh, and he uh, grinds it um, and we, we buy it from him for that. And uh, coffee lovers that have come and, and tasted it actually asked us to get more in 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 the one pound bags so now we actually carry um the coffee here for those people to actually buy it um whole bean or or ground as well and i can tell you didn't like this one no I, face. this is <laughs> this is like espresso meets this is like when people make like what uh, uh, uh an espresso teeny uh, like a coffee martini mm-hmm. and it it, it doesn't it doesn't meld right. For some reason, it, it doesn't... The idea of, I guess, that vodka and the coffee coming together conceptually is a good idea. Mm-hmm. It doesn't... This is what it's supposed to taste like. Right. We essentially use the same techniques that you use to cold brew uh, your regular coffee, and we use that for... I want this in my some... coffee cup every morning yes. now. <laughs> this is what I want to drink every morning. I don't know if I want to drink it right before bed. It's almost like... Yeah, it's... It this has real coffee, so it's definitely it, yeah. caffeinated. It is caffeinated. Yep. This is awesome. <laughs> this is all all what you're. Do- this is why I was so excited. And Don and I, when you said, "Hey, yes, I, you know, I'm I'm you working 25 hours a day, and we're producing, just but we're busy and come down." And I'm I'm so grateful. Don and I, I mean, just the time that you're taking, just yeah. this, you're you're amazing. I mean, it, you could have stopped and said, "We're not doing this," right? You could have said on that drive home after coming here and not finding a place to be, you could have said, eh, let's do something else, right? I mean, were there that time, were times for you to say, nah, we're not doing it? When we were hitting the one-year mark of looking for a place, uh, there was definitely, a for me, because I had left my day job to, to work this full-time, I was like, maybe I made a mistake. She did. <laughs> so, 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 yeah, there, and there, there's a story there. So, so, we actually, the idea of the distillery came from a nonprofit that we operate, that we do activities. And, and one of the, for one of those activities, we actually got our hands on 20 cases of pitorro, and I flavored them, um, and then we had it, we sold it, and people wanted to actually find out where I lived so they can actually <laughs> go to the, my house before the activity. And that's where we kind of thought, hey, maybe there's something here. And that was in 2017. When that happened, it was a fundraiser after Hurricane Maria that devastated the island. Um, and and uh, from that point, I was trying to make it work, but holding my day job, going home, getting home at 6, and then getting on the computer and trying to find out what I needed to get the permits. Crystal wasn't too happy with her job, and she came to me and said, hey, if you make me a partner, I'll quit my job, and I'll do this full-time. I'll do the research during the day. I'll meet with vendors. I'll, I'll do research on the equipment. And she really did not uh, get have a salary for two years while she basically built the whole thing. I was living off my savings. So, 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 so really the fact that this came to fruition when it did, it might have taken me 10 years at the pace that I was going. It, it's, it's really her. It's really her. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers to everyone. Cheers. Is there is there something we should be saying in Puerto Rico that we would say? I don't know. I you know, 
Um, salut. Salut. All right. Salut. 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 Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. Thank you for coming. Thank you for the the labor of love. Thank you for your time. Thank you for taking a chance on a dream. We we say this when we visit. We can't wait to see all the things that are the, the passion fruit, the passion that you put into your pitoro, the 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 life, the blood, and everything you do. Again, if you're if you're close to Frederick, come see Crystal, come see Angel, your mom Alba, mm-hmm. your your sister. I mean, come see this family, because one of the things I can say for Don and I, you make us feel like family, and. What we now are, we're now part of this Pitoro family, and this is just awesome. So, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. We, we definitely love what we do, we love talking about it, and absolutely anybody that loves Pitoro, we love them right back. <laughs> and if you don't, we still love them. Because right? once you have it, you'll become a fan. Exactly. Yes, Welcome yes. to the family. Welcome to the family. <laughs>